Evidence is growing that people's internal clocks are critical to their overall health, and chronobiologists are studying how phenomena like circadian rhythms affect the human body. New research suggests that eating at set times of the day can prevent obesity and other metabolic diseases, and what time of day you take certain medications can affect how well they work. My internal clock says I should still be in bed. This is Pulse Check. I'm Lauren Gardner. Late Tuesday, the FDA updated a rule to allow retail pharmacies to dispense mifepristone, one of two drugs used in medication abortion in the U.S. Before the change, patients could only receive the drug in person from a certified physician or by telemedicine prescription and mail delivery. Allowing brick-and-mortar pharmacies to become certified to dispense the pills could expand their access to people without internet connections or stable home addresses. But pharmacies in more than a dozen states with near-total abortion bans won't be able to participate. And Carmen Pond is here to talk about the COVID Omicron subvariant XBB 1.5, which has become the dominant strain in the U.S. in just a matter of weeks. Thanks for joining us, Carmen. Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. Tell us what's going on with this latest COVID strain. There have been so many, you know, I think we can safely say more than a dozen at this point. Right. So I honestly lost track a bit of the variant. So the name of the big variant is Omicron. You know, that started infecting people over Thanksgiving in 2021. So it's been more than a year. But then so many different subvariants developed out of it um, for the past year in the U.S. and across the world. So right now we are looking at something called XBB 1.5, which is a subvariant of Omicron. And the WHO said Wednesday that this is the most transmissible subvariant that has been detected so far. So we already know that Omicron, when it started, was the most transmissible. So now you have a sort Mm -hmm. of like child or a grandchild of the Omicron uh, (laughs) being even more transmissible than the ancestor. We don't know so far whether it causes more severe disease, which is obviously always the, you know, one of the main questions. It does have some immune escape. So it means that, you know, it can still infect people that have been vaccinated or people that have had prior infections. And the World Health Organization is currently working on a risk assessment that is probably going to be published over the next few days to say how you know, how much more dangerous, if at all, this variant is compared to all the other ones already circulating. They said in the briefing on Wednesday that they're concerned about the fact that it's growing really fast. In the U.S., it went from being 4% of the sequence cases to 40% of the sequence cases in just a few weeks. So it's sort of like seen a bit of an explosion. There's an increase of hospitalization in New England, but it's unclear whether this variant is driving it or whether it's a combination of the flu, RSV, COVID-19. So a lot to unpack there. Again, we're facing a variant that could potentially be bad, but we're still, you know, in a nutshell, we still need a bit more data to find out if it's just more severe for people. And just to put it all in perspective, where is the U.S. now with respect to COVID? People were generally expecting there to be an uptick in cases around the holidays, also right after, after people you know, gather indoors together in large groups. Where where are we, especially compared to a year ago when Omicron really exploded? Right. So there seems to be an uptick in cases, but compared to a year ago, we're still in a much better situation. Obviously, 
Omicron, when it started, infected so many more people. And so many people have this immunity from uh, infection. Many people have immunity from both infection and vaccination. You know, compared to a year ago, the situation looks a lot better. Dead rates were about seven times higher at this time last year in the United States. And hospitalization were almost three times as high. And both these numbers have been lower at different points in the pandemic. However, if we look at New England, where we see a spike in hospitalization, that's at the level of 40% of where it was last year this time. So, you know, we still are not as sort of like the peak of Omicron, of the sort of like original Omicron wave, but the World Mm -hmm. Health Organization did warn that they expect more waves of infections around the world. It doesn't have to be followed by waves of of dead. Uh, Obviously, we now have tools that still work. The White House COVID-19 response coordinator, Ashish Jha, also tweeted on Wednesday, and he said, you know, if people have had an infection before July or if they have not received the bivalent booster, they should they should do that as soon as possible. Um, and obviously, if they get sick, get treated because those those tools still work against this latest subvariant of coronavirus. You know, the the other latest aspect in the seemingly never ending COVID saga is what is going on in China with COVID. There were a lot of headlines right ahead of the new year about different countries, including the United States, implementing some new requirements or restrictions on travelers who uh, try to enter the country from China. Other Western nations are, are exploring this as well. What's the latest on COVID in China? And what does this mean for us here in the U.S., at least as of right now? Right. So many countries, as you said, have started asking um, people traveling from China to present the result of a negative COVID test to be able to enter the country. Um, You know, China has lambed that as, you know, the pandemic being used for political purposes. However, China did have a ban on on people from abroad entering the country uh, for a while. Then also people had to submit to really long quarantines as part of their COVID zero policy. Um, So they have use similar measures in the past. So obviously it looks like the the virus is spreading widely in China. We don't have any reliable number on the number of cases and the number of deaths and hospitalizations. The World Health Organization also said that. They said uh, on Wednesday that many of these numbers are underreported from China and they wanted a more accurate assessment of what's going on. Many of the testing policies that China had in place as part of their zero COVID policy have pretty much been dismantled. So it's probably also hard to really get accurate um, numbers of cases. But obviously, we we see the pressure on the health system. We see crematoriums in Beijing saying that they have had an uptick in demand. So people are dying. And, you know, there's a concern, obviously, for the health and well-being of the people in China, um, who many, you know, many are not fully vaccinated or they're not up to date with their boosters, um, especially the elderly. Many felt protected by this COVID zero policy for all these years. And now all of a sudden they really have, you know, no prior infection. So they have no acquired immunity against the virus. And the rest of the world is worried that the fact that the virus is spreading unfettered through so many peoples with low or no immunity whatsoever could spark new variants that can then spread around the world and potentially be Mm -hmm. bad for people and for the rest of the world, evade vaccine-produced immunity and so on. So that's, that's one of the concerns that countries have, and that's why they also want people to 
get tested before they arrive into their countries. Um, we've seen, for example, Belgium announcing that they're testing the wastewater from planes coming from China just to see if they can detect any new variants there. Um, it looks like the main worry that many authorities around the world have is a potentially new variant or a number of new variants developing in China and then spreading around the world and, you know, setting everyone back mm -hmm. given the situation and the sort of like the closure that China has for the past few years. Did the WHO say anything uh, at their meeting this week about um, whether it looks like any new variants are cropping up in China? Indeed. So they had a meeting, um, their experts had a meeting with China's uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention. And they said that based on the sequencing data the Chinese officials presented, there doesn't seem to be a new variant. Some of the variants that they detected are some um, sort of like BA variants that are also present in other parts of the world. So, so far, no new variant. But um, from what the World Health Organization officials said, they feel the need for more sequencing. They think that it should be more sequencing done in different parts of China just to make sure that no new variant is sort of like spreading undetected. And they want mm -hmm. the Chinese authorities to upload the data on their sequencing to publicly available databases. Also, other experts from around the world can look at any mutations of any variant to see if there's any concern there. So obviously have this sort of like decentralized analysis of the genetic sequences from China. You covered global health for a while. Any sense that this pressure campaign might yield some changes from China in terms of their level of transparency on this sort of data? It's very hard to tell. You know, sometimes sometimes it almost feels like a flashback to the early days of the pandemic when we were hearing similar messages when, you know, the virus had been first detected in China. You would hope that in the last three years, something has been learned from this. It's hard to say the Chinese government is typically so on message about everything and so a little open. They duly reject criticism right away that it's hard to say whether they're going to be more open this time around with the data and more cooperative with the World Health Organization. I wouldn't want to make a prediction because I feel like reading the Chinese government's approach to this is so hard. It's still surprising that they had this very strict zero COVID policy for so long. And, you know, many people wonder, like, what's the end game? Are they vaccinating people in the meantime? Are they increasing their hospital capacity uh, for the moment when they will inevitably have to open up and people will get sick? And it looked like that didn't really happen. And now, again, it feels like the virus is spreading like it was just detected yesterday. So really, really hard to say. All right. Well, thanks again, Carmen, for joining us and talking through these issues. Always great to talk to you, Lauren. Thank you. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Annie Reese is our producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. Jenny Ament is the executive producer of audio at Politico. I'm Lauren Gardner. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Thanks for listening.